Good morning, everyone, and um, let me extend uh, greetings to all our family and friends who are visiting with us this morning and uh, say a special welcome to you. Uh, we pray that this service will really be an encouragement and upliftment to you, and we trust that uh, you will come back again and be with us next week and the week after that and forevermore. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I really am excited this morning to be with you. Um, I do want to just kind of shout out all of, well, everyone I would say, you know, the entire church for their um, persistence in fasting. Uh, we would have gone through our 21-day fast, which ended at the, at the end of January, January 31st. Um, and... Um, I know normally we would have had a big pot of um, corn soup to celebrate and um, end on break our fast together, but um, we didn't have that this time around. But guess what? We were united in spirit. And it's been just a really encouraging time uh, to be able to hear all the good news around our fasting period. And um, I believe that you know God has heard our prayers. Uh, he has seen our sacrifice. And I know that uh, he is pleased with it. So I pray that uh, we are faithful. Uh, I'm reminded of one of the lessons that we were taught uh, by Tyrone in our series Building Up to the Fast, where he reminded us that after this fasting period, just like it was with Jesus, temptation has a way of coming. So I'll just take that in there and remind us to look out for the testing or temptation. Same word, right? Um, but generally speaking, I'm really excited. Uh, those of you who did your Daniel fast for the first time, uh, you know you know how difficult it was, right? <laughs> but definitely, uh, it was a great opportunity for us to bond in the spirit and to draw closer to God. Of course, our theme this year is deeper. So um, what better way to go deeper in our walk with God than to start off in prayer and fasting? But what was amazing is just at the very end of our fast, you know, the Lord saw it fit to bless uh, the Cunningham household, you know, and um, Alan's mom, um, Christophine uh, Cunningham, was baptized into Christ. Uh, I'm guessing you, we would have heard the announcements during the week as well, too. We saw the WhatsApp messages, but I really do want to shout out uh, the Cunninghams and just say how blessed uh, you are, Alan and your household, and may God continue to bless you richly. Amen. So welcome to Christophine. We love you and welcome to the family of believers. Amen. All right. So uh, last but not least, I do want to take this time to really encourage all of you who are working hard behind the scenes. Uh, you know yourselves, uh, the tech crew, uh, the singers who continue to work hard, uh, practicing and bringing forth amazing singing for us so that we can be encouraged. You know, um, I think about the count ministry and, you know, everyone else and even the family group leaders uh, who are working hard, fighting to keep people together, making sure that they're holding them accountable, and having family group meetings. And, I mean, there's a lot going on behind the scenes uh, in spite of the pandemic. And uh, we trust that God will continue to take care of us. 
uh, on the pandemic note, however, I, I do want to encourage us, brothers and sisters. Uh, we are definitely trying to ensure that we protect one another. And I know that it's, it's very challenging coming from a culture of who we are as a church. We're family. We love to spend time with one another. And we are the huggy, huggy type, right? And um, being denied of that, I'm sure it has taken some sort of emotional toll on us. But I really do want to encourage us, you know, to be wise. Uh, let's make sure that we are not pushing the envelope and, and thinking, well, God will, will, will take care of us. And let's try and, you know, maybe take some chances here and there. You know, if, if we are going to do stuff, uh, I encourage us to be responsible. You know, social distance, wear your masks, you know, protect each other. Okay, so let's not um, take for granted that this virus has, I mean, he, he, there's no favoritism in, with, regard, with regards to the virus, if I may say. Okay, so nevertheless, um, it is great to be here with you this morning. Um, this morning, I have the privilege of continuing and taking up um, the leg um, from Tyrone. Uh, I started off in January, right? Um, we looked at um, the Father and we talked about God in his entirety. We looked at 15 attributes and many different things, but, but looking at the Father in 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 essence all right and um then i handed it over to our brother tyrone who has skillfully you know walked us through john 17 and um has used uh, the word of god to, to remind us of who jesus is and really uh allowing you know jesus's character and and the, the convictions that he had uh to, to shine through in a great way so I pray that you've been blessed so far, but now, guess what? It's it's my turn again to take us home, if I may say, right? And um, this morning, we are going to start uh, our three-week um, series on the Holy Spirit, right? Now, let me just say this up front. In my own studying and um, reading and so on over the last maybe three or four weeks now, I've realized that uh, there's no way we can really do justice to this topic of the Holy Spirit in three sermons. It's just impossible, you know. And um, so I, I ask you to bear with me because I'm not going to be able to go into too much of the theology part of it because it's a very deep topic. And I trust that um, as we continue to go deeper, that these are things that we will delve into even more as we go forward. But um, allow me to guide our thoughts for these next three weeks as I seek to be guided by the Holy Spirit and share with you some things that I believe He wants you to hear as I've been praying and studying out this topic. So, um, the, the title of my sermon this morning is Rivers of Living Water. You know, um, Christianity rests, and we kind of culminate all that we're talking about for the last, um, what it will be, 
six weeks now. This is the seventh week, right? Um, you know, the doctrine of the Trinity or the, the threeness or the th tri-personality of God, you know, you know, that's where the Christian faith rests on. You know, God the Creator and Father and Lord of all or Lord and Lord of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus, the Son, right? And the Word, as we see in, in John chapter 1. Uh, the Holy Spirit, who is the Counselor slash Comforter. And many other things as well, too. In John 14, you'll see that. But, you know, since our study at the top of the year is on knowing God, you know, my encouragement is for us to understand all three personalities or all three persons, the persons of God, Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. So I really want to say thanks again to Tyrone uh, for what he has walked us through for the last three weeks. You know, but if you're like me, you probably spent the majority of your Bible study time focusing on either the Father or the Son, and maybe some of the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, depending on your religious upbringing, it could be on the other way around, right? Where the focus was on the Father and the Spirit, you know? And I believe, however, that the Spirit can easily be the most neglected of the three in the Godhead. And almost, or also the most misunderstood, I would say, right? And, um... You know, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning is a very brief one. Uh, it's in John chapter 7. And I'm going to be looking at three verses, 37 through 39. Uh, we'll bring some context in as we go from um, verses around that as well too. But um, I hope to take us on a little journey, if I may say, as I introduce um, this con well, the, the topic to you, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So before we uh, get into the scriptures, please uh, pray with me at this time. Father in heaven, may your grace be upon us this morning. We ask that as we talk about your Holy Spirit, that God, he would guide us. And he would uh, really allow for us to, to consider who he is. Fill us with joy in our hearts as we read your word. May I be true to what I share with, them, with, with your people this morning. And may we all leave here just amazed at who you are, God. And the amazing Holy Spirit that you've blessed us and have, have, have extended to us, Father. We thank you for this opportunity. May your name be praised. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So, I'll share a little story with you. And it, it starts like this. Pastor, I can hear the dipper banging against the bottom of the bucket, said a mature sister after church. I have never in all these years gotten over that remark, says the pastor. I will, it was her way of admonishing me to not neglect my time in the word and with the Lord. 
My picture was empty and she knew it. Question, is your picture empty today? When you dip into your spiritual bucket, what are you drawing from? You know, I know that after a time of fasting, like we did in January, our buckets are full because we focus on spending time with God, not just doing our quiet time, but connecting with God. Maybe you prayed more than ever in your entire Christian life in order for you to go deeper. You know, you, 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 you would have added to your habits with regards to life itself and hopefully make some life changes for good. But let this consistency in prayer and Bible study become who we are, brothers and sisters, and not what we can do with organized church activity. Deeper is the goal. Let's remember that, okay? So not assuming that everyone is at the same place, what is your power source? Are you weary and out? Can people hear the dipper banging against the bottom of your bucket? Or are you vibrant and victorious? You know, we have before us one of the most remarkable and challenging statements in the whole of the New Testament. In verse 38 of John, John chapter 7, it says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You know, these words were spoken by Jesus to people who were spiritually empty and defeated. They are like many people of our island today, going through religious ritual and ceremony, but finding no real meaning, life or victory. Instead, they live without hope. You know, we can easily confirm that by our anxiety levels, maybe. Especially in a time like this, right? My question is, are you trusting or fretting? Are you at peace or turmoil? Are you calm or frustrated? You know, these are signs that we must pay attention to because it tells us if we are being swept away by the world who has no hope or are we being carried along by God and his spirit which brings us calm and allows for us to be at peace even at a time like this. You know, the apostle John includes the commentary of the words of Jesus in John 7 verse 39 that tells us that Jesus' statement about rivers of living water is a reference to the Holy Spirit. So bear that in mind, right? And we remember that as we go. You know, when it comes to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, it is possible to go to extremes. However, despite our fear of one extreme, we must not go to the other extreme and be devoid of the person's or the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Herein lies the power for life and ministry. Right? 
The Holy Spirit is our power source. We must remember that. You know, in, in this 21st century, as a church, we need to be reminded of the purpose and power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It seems that the modern church has replaced the power of God with the performance of man. Would you agree with me this morning? You know, instead of singing, Holy Spirit, breathe on me, we're saying lights, camera, action. Right? You know, the occasion, and we go back into the, the Old Testament days, uh, and, the, and the occasion was the Feast of Tabernacles, the third in a series of Jewish feasts. Right? This is the context of John 7. You know, in the Old Testament, the Feast of Tabernacles lasted seven days. In the New Testament, the Feast of Tabernacles lasted eight days. It was like a Thanksgiving feast, right? You know, the guidelines for the feast are found in Leviticus chapter 23. So, the people were required to leave their permanent residence and build booths of willow and palm branches during the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, they would live in these booths made up from branches as a reminder of their wandering days in the wilderness. It was a time of remembering God's wonderful provision. During the Feast of Tabernacles, the city of Jerusalem and the temple area sorry, were filled with boots made from branches. You can imagine that scenery, right? I mean, think about leaving the comfort of your home and going and live in a little two-by-four shack or whatever. You know, I mean, it's like, wow. I mean, talk about trying to really commemorate and remember what happened back in the desert. That must have been an amazing feeling to have. You know, at the heart of the feast was a daily procession. Priests carrying golden pitchers would lead a parade of procession or procession through the city to the pool of Siloam, singing the words of Isaiah 12 verse 3, which says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Wow. The great crowd of people would parade back to the temple and the priests would pour the water from the pool of Siloam down upon the altar. And the people would shout and wave palm branches. Very festive scene going on here. You know, this procedure went on for seven days, right? But on the last day, the procedure was repeated with two significant expectations, exceptions, sorry. First, when the parade of people returned from the pool of Siloam, the priest would march around the altar seven times, commemorating Joshua's victory at Jericho. Secondly, the priest would raise the golden pitcher over the silver funnels as they, were, they had done each day previously. But this time, there was no water, only an empty pitcher. This signified the disobedient generation that died in the wilderness. Instead of a shout 
and a waving of palm branches as the people had done each day, they now stood in silence. Wow. That must have been dead silence. It was in this moment of silence, this moment of bewilderment, emptiness and meaninglessness that Jesus cried out. You know, I hope you get the picture here. You know, our Lord had been watching the people go through the motions, perfectly following the order of service. But there was no meaning, no power, no life. They found themselves right where they had started. Nothing was any different. You know, have you ever thought about the great crowd of people who gathered annually for this observation of the Feast of Tabernacles? Think about their lives, their homes, their jobs, communities, and their churches. How about what they brought with them to this great feast? Their hopes and their dreams and their expectations. How about what they took away when they returned to their homes? Were they any different? Or did they just go through the same old motions only to conclude with an empty picture? You know, what happened to the crowd over 2,000 years ago still happens to people in our world every Sunday. People go to church filled with hopes and dreams and expectations and all too often they go away empty and disillusioned. My first point this morning is the condition. And I want you to bear with me. In verse 37, Jesus said what? If anyone thirsts. You know, thirst is a, con a consciousness of an unsatisfied need. And I'm sure we can all relate all too well coming out of our time of prayer and fast, right? You know what it's like to thirst. You know, the context here is a longing for something, right? You know, thirst expresses desperation. You know, thirst will, it is said that thirst will kill you faster than hunger. One can go weeks without food, but only days without water. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for God this morning? You know, it has been said, God will meet man on the level of his desire. Man can have as much of God as he wants. Eric Alexander, former pastor of the Church of Scotland, once said, We need to learn that the blessing of God is not a cheap commodity, lightly dispensed. And we turn to the psalmist. Here in Psalm chapter 1, or sorry, Psalm 42, verse 1 to 2, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you have an unsatisfied need for God? 
in your heart? Are you thirsty? You know, trying to draw closer to Him, but maybe you just seem to feel stuck, or you just, you're stuck for however long now. Are you frustrated with your prayer life? I've been. I've found myself at many a times, you're praying and, and you, you just, you're looking for words. And it's kind of difficult. What do I pray about? It's amazing how Holy Spirit even finds words to pray on our behalf. It's just, it's just amazing to see, right? Or to, to understand. You know, how about your Bible study? Feeling like you're getting nothing and just going through the motions? You know, I'm very proud of my wife and the way in which she continues to grow in her own desire for God and, and the Word. She shared her good news on Wednesday uh, a week ago. And um, I'm, I'm just excited because I see it. You know, I see her thirst for God. You know, and it's, it's such an amazing reminder of what it looks like to thirst for Him. And I'm sure that that's the same for many of us. But maybe for some of us, it's not that way right now. You know, Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of Jesus' sermon on the mount, right? And, you know, number four on the list of persons he addresses are the hungry and thirsty. And, you know, what does he say? He says in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I, I love that passage as, it, as I consider in, in, in John 7, where we're talking about, you know, streams of living water flowing through us. It, it, there's a sense of filling, right? And um, almost overflowing, really and truly, right? But uh, we will get to that just now. So, again, I encourage us to thirst. Thirst for God. And trust me, He will fill you. Second, the imperial invitation. In, in verse 37, again, we are reminded here that Jesus stood to extend this invitation to the crowd, right? This is significant, brothers and sisters and friends, because no Jewish teacher ever stood to speak. Those who stood to make announcements were imperial heralds who represented a king or a Caesar, right? And, and, and you, you could imagine those guys coming through and, you know, uh, and they would be like, make an announcement, hear he, hear he, the king has to say something, and, and they will read out whatever announcement that is. You know, but we have before us an imperial invitation from Jesus, the King of Kings. You know, notice that the invitation was not an attendant, or, or, or not to attend church, or a program, or a meeting, or even a Bible study. It was an invitation to come to a person. That is Jesus. You know, in verse 37, it reads what? On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said 
in a loud voice that anyone who thirsts who is thirsty sorry come to me and drink this imperial invitation is given to all who thirst you know Jesus not only stands up but he also raises his voice I mean you got to see the significance of that right you know not only is he going against what is a custom but he is making sure that everyone is aware of what he's doing because he wants them to hear no wonder why he chose the stillness and the silence of that time when they would think about those who died in the desert you know let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink you know I'm reminded of the Israelites in the desert complaining that Moses brought them into the desert to die of thirst if you remember but God provided a rock through which they would quench their thirst right but this thirst however is just like the one Jesus spoke about with the woman at the well let's have a read as we recall this story and I believe it's it's so apt and so consistent with what Jesus is communicating and it says in John 4 verse 1 to 14 says now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee now he had to go through Samaria so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down by the well it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water Jesus said to her will you give me a drink his disciples had gone into the town to buy food the Samaritan woman said to him you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman how can you ask me for a drink for Jews did not associate with Samaritans Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who is who it is that asks you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water sir the woman said you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where can I get this living water are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock Jesus answered everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again all right but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life Wow I mean here again we, we, we see this similar language that Jesus is speaking about where there's this 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 water right that is welling up to eternal life he said when we come to him guess what that's what we receive there's no there, there, there's no need to, to go back and dip water there is overflowing it's constant you know Jesus doesn't care who you are or where you come from the invitation to come and drink 
is for everyone right you know the offer of living water was for any and everyone and so it is this morning you know just as the king would send his herald out he is announced his announcements right would say or, or Jesus here is saying man send out his imperial invitation let people come to me he says because they will drink and never be thirsty again and last we see as we head to what I would call our climax with us with our um, lesson this morning the promise in, in verse 38 of John 7 it says whoever believes in me as scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them you know Jesus did not promise a trickle or a stream or even a flow he promised a river <laughs> Wow could you get your mind around that the Holy Spirit is like a mighty rushing river a life-giving river Psalm 1 verse 3 says well that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers you know what kind of person is being described here if we go back to verse 1 and 2 it says was blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night we have this image of a man or a woman completely in awe of God can't get enough of him so they decide to plant themselves by the stream where this living water is just flowing in Psalm 42 verse 1 it says well, as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you my God you know this image of streams of water just speaks of abundance it speaks of this the abundant God that we serve but he is talking primarily of his spirit his spirit continuously feeds us and gives us life it is never ending you know he has no limits you know unlike Jesus the son who had limits due to his body if you remember Jesus came down and guess what he was limited he could only go so far he could only be at one place at one time because he was within the flesh right so he was limited but the spirit has no limits he can go wherever I mean you go back to John 3 what does he say the spirit goes wherever it pleases 
you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. <laughs> so it is with anyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, he is like the mighty river found in Ezekiel 47 that produces life wherever it flows. You know, the mighty Amazon River finds its origin above the freeze line of the Andes Mountains in South America. There little trickles of water emerge from frozen ground and flow down the mountain. One little stream flows into another, little stream until a majestic river is formed. As the river flows, it picks up speed and power. It flows for 3,600 miles before it reaches the Atlantic Ocean where it hits the ocean at a rate of 1.4 million gallons of water per second and with such force that it pushes fresh water some 60 miles out into the Atlantic Ocean. What power! No, Jesus did not promise a trickle or a stream or even a flow. He promised a river. Jesus said in verse 38, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You know, John, like I said before early on, helps us to understand what exactly Jesus was speaking about when he refers to the rivers of living water. In verse 39, he says, well, By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. You know, up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we see the connection from what we talked about, what Tyrone preached on a couple of weeks ago, about Jesus being glorified. You know, so this amazing power source that Jesus is speaking about will flow from the heart of all who believe. Today, if you are not a Christian, you have access to that same river which is flowing in the hearts of all the saints right now. What do I mean? I'm not saying that you need to say a prayer or put your hand on the screen. I'm saying that God's word is available to you. If you are serious about your walk with God, I'm pretty sure there's someone right here, right now within our service who is more than willing to sit with you and teach you what it means to accept God's word and allow it to really produce the living water that he speaks about here in John. It is my prayer that you will experience this awesome life-giving power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you are a disciple and you have not been connected to this amazing source of power called the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to plant yourself by the river. Plant yourself by the riverbed. Listen and pay attention. But expect the promise. 
through baptism, we have received the gift of God's Holy Spirit. We have to understand that because the Spirit lives inside of us, that we now have to connect with Him and allow Him to play His rightful role in our lives as disciples of Jesus. You know, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You know, this morning, as we go off for the next week, before we return on Sunday coming, I want to challenge us with something. You know, one of my, uh, as I was studying, I, I, I did, uh, I, I looked at a few videos uh, from one of our kingdom teachers. Uh, his name is Steve Kennard. And uh, Steve, along with Ed Anton, another teacher in our church, our family of churches, and uh, these two brothers did an amazing um, compilation of an overview of the Holy Spirit. And in one of Steve's classes, he gave a challenge to the group he was speaking to. And I just felt like, you know what, it would be cool for us to take up that similar challenge. And I want to leave you with this challenge this morning. You know, he talks about in John chapter 6 verse 36. And you, you can read it, but the passage says, The Spirit is life-giving. Right? In other words, the Spirit gives life. And if we are to remind ourselves, and a part of what Steve was talking about is practicing the presence of God. Right? Practicing the presence of God. And the presence of God that we must practice is connecting with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit is what Jesus left for us to connect with, to be comforted by, to be guided, to be led and to be called, some of those things we'll talk about next week, right? So this week, I want us to, to really be intentional about connecting with the Holy Spirit, right? And here's what we'll do. You see that one little phrase, right? Uh, I'm, I'm told that if you did martial arts, right, um, chances are you know what it's like to, to show up at... Uh, at the studio for your class and the, the sensei or, or they would, would, would expect of you to say yes I can yes I can right and you are convinced about it right and so we're going to use a similar uh, 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 concept by allowing these amazing words to be spoken in our lives this week and I want us to see at the top of the hour, if, 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 if so, every opportunity you have, speak it out. The Spirit gives life. 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 However you want to say it, just keep repeating it. You see, this is part, in my opinion, of just being intentional of engaging the Holy Spirit. And I hope that as you continue to repeat these words, that you begin to connect 
that in your own life, it's no longer just words, but they become part of who you are. That you, you, you're, not, you're not only speaking the very words of Scripture, but you're speaking the very words that you believe, right? And are convinced of. That the Spirit gives life. Streams of living water. Rivers of living water. That's what the Holy Spirit gives. So as we are introduced to the Holy Spirit through Jesus' amazing words, this imperial invitation, this promise, I pray that we are not just eager, but we are thirsty. We are, we, we, we're, we're so desirous to understand and to connect with the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. May you have a, a fantastic day and a spirit-filled week. Because why? The Spirit gives life. God bless you.